0: my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. My mom got together with someone who was very physically abusive. He was an alcoholic. They moved to a tiny little town called Stevensville, Montana. They rented this house that had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my brother and one for my sister. They said, Eric, you get to live in a garage. I remember being 13, brush my teeth. They came home arguing. And so I turned around the corner and I saw him on top. My mom just Boom, boom, boom. One shot after the other to her head. And I'm like, man, I gotta get this guy off. So I snuck up behind him, I grabbed a cast iron pan. I just swung as hard as I could and I split his head open in the back of the head.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Live, Lead, Last podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa and James Duvall. Thank you for taking time to listen to us today.
2: Yeah, I'm super pumped about our guest today. However, we hope you find value in each and every show. If you find the content helpful, we'd appreciate you sharing it with your friends and family. It's the best way for new people to get acquainted with the podcast.
1: We hope you had a great Easter weekend. Ours was amazing. It was so good to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with our church family and friends.
2: Yeah, it really was a great weekend. You know, as we build out this podcast, we are regularly looking for ways to add value and from time to time change up the flow. So next week, we're going to try something a little different. Lisa and I keep referring to it as three questions.
1: Yes. Yeah, so basically, we're going to interview each other on a topic or two. We're going to take turns asking each other three questions. We think it'll be fun, and at the same time, hopefully, it will offer a lot of value to you.
2: Yes, we'll see how the feedback is on the show. Who knows? We may do this on a regular rhythm. You know what would be fun is to throw in a bonus question, Lisa, from our lively last community.
1: I love it. So if you have a question that you would like to ask James, you can direct message me on Instagram at Lisa Duval.
2: And if you have a question that you like for me to ask Lisa, direct message me at the James Duval. It should be fun.
1: This week, we have Eric Allen as our guest. Eric is a family man, a serial entrepreneur. I love that. And the founder and host of top rated MMA and the Eric Allen show.
2: Yeah, super cool guy. And he has an amazing beard. We had a great conversation about his upbringing and how he overcame a pretty rough childhood. Eric and his wife are now raising their two kids and writing a new story and legacy for their family.
1: I love overcomer stories. You guys cover a lot of ground in your conversation, including your similar but different early morning routines. So let's jump into the conversation.
2: Eric, thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to connect with you and spend some time together with you today.
0: it's such an honor to be here, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation. I've been following your social feed and listening to some of your podcast episodes ever since actually becoming familiar with you through Clubhouse. I know that you're active on Clubhouse as well. To get started, I wonder if you could give us kind of the Reader's Digest version of your background and story that's brought you to this moment in your business, your leadership, and your life.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the quick version is I, I grew up in what I thought was a normal household. Like we went to Sunday church and you know, Sunday school. And I was the kid that would like ask to go to the bathroom and then go play GI Joes in the bathroom. And for some reason, no one ever came to get me. So I just stayed in there and played with my GI Joes. And you know, this is in the early eighties. So maybe that's why no one came looking, but you know, it was like, I played little league. My dad would throw my buddy, Dave and I into dumpsters to go find treasure behind stores. Right. Wow. I mean, that's pretty normal. Maybe, you know, and my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. My mom got together with someone who was very physical, He was physically abusive. He was an alcoholic. I watched him beat my mom up quite a bit. They had a child together. And right after that child was born, it was my stepbrother. And they decided to move to Montana. They moved to a tiny little town called Stevensville, Montana, had 1,200 people in it. They rented this house that was on five acres. It was beautiful property. But the house had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my brother, and one for my sister. They said, Eric, you get to live in a garage. They literally put a plastic sheet at the bottom of my bed that separated my bed to the truck that pulled in. And there was a fireplace on my side of the garage. But during the winter, when it gets negative degrees in Montana, it gets pretty stinking cold out there. And, you know, I remember there was this night where they came home and, like, we stopped going to church at this point. And I remember being 13, brushing my teeth. They came home arguing. And it wasn't anything different than any other night. But... God was speaking to me in that moment. He's like, man, you got to turn around. And so the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry, to the garage where I had lived. And so I turned around the corner and I saw him on top of my mom, just boom, 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 one shot after the other to her head. And I'm like, man, I got to get this guy off. So I snuck up behind him. I grab a cast iron pan, those big heavy duty ones you take camping with you. And I just swung as hard as I could. And I split his head open in the back of the head. And he turned around and he was like mid sentence, like what the, and as he said that I took another swing and split his forehead open. I hit him so hard that second time that I actually fell over and somehow it didn't knock him out. I don't know if he was just so drunk, but he stood up and he started yelling. I remember my mom popping up at that point and punching him like six times in the row to the face. And there's blood splatting behind him on the wall cops show up and take him to jail for the night. My mom never pressed charges. I was basically kicked out of the house at that point. I had three months left in my freshman year of high school at that point and went to live with my dad in Washington who would rent a house for him and I, and he'd go stay with his girlfriend. He put 20 bucks in a cup. And that was my lunch money for the week. And he put hunger man meals in the freezer and syrup milk in the house. And I maybe saw my dad a couple of times a month in between all the rest of my high school years. Wow. That is crazy,
2: that journey of growing up that way. Just knowing your story, that actually led to some trouble for you, right? You had some trouble in your late teenage years, early adult years, right?
0: Yeah, it definitely led down a path of destruction for me. Like, I didn't have any accountability to say, hey, don't do drugs, right? Other than school, the whole DARE program, right? You know, and then, but I didn't have accountability around money. Like, how should I use it? How should I spend it? Anything like that. I was responsible enough to like go get a job when I was like 15. My first job was at McDonald's, Mm -hmm. right? But I took that money and I'd go spend it on weed or I'd go buy acid or mushrooms or whatever I could get my hands on, you know, even to the point where I didn't want to pay $5 for a hit of acid, but I could go to the store and buy a $2.50 bottle of Dexter morphine cough syrup and drink that and get the same effect as if I was taking acid. So big drug in high school, 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington, but I did have to go to jail and I went to jail for one night and it scared the heck out of me. I had black and white chain gang outfit on, bright orange slippers, was in Dayton County, Washington. I didn't know the Lord, obviously, at that point. One thing that I did when I went to jail as I took my dad's Bible that he had as an adult that didn't, he didn't use it anymore. But I took that with me to jail. Like, I don't know if that was just like my shield or it made me feel better to have that. But I remember walking into jail. That was the only thing I could bring in with me. And I sat at the, the table around all these guys that were in there for long term. And, I just read my Bible and luckily I didn't have a cellmate. I just had my own cell and the next day I was out. And yeah, so it just, at that point I was, like I said, went to jail, but then also was really bad with money. So I got credit cards very early on. I was getting camcorders from Sears. I could record my buddy skateboarding. And by the time I'm 21 years old, I'm $28,000 in debt and have to file bankruptcy. Wow. That is crazy. So what
2: was the turning point? I mean, obviously you're very successful now, but back then, what was the turning point that your eyes began to get open and kind of go, I need to do something different with my life?
0: It took me a while to, to get to that point. So two weeks after I graduated high school, my dad kicked me out. And between 18 and 21, I moved 21 different times to on couches and friends' houses and friends of second cousins and things like that make this move to Seattle with a $100 in my pocket. My dream was always to be in the music industry. And I ended up landing a job with Universal Records. And it was my dream job just to even be the mailroom guy. That's what I did. And I'd stuff posters and call on sales and stuff like that. And what that did was that opened up my addictions even more because I didn't have to pay for alcohol anymore. i had open tab and I was going to two to three concerts a week. So there was this two-year span where I probably went to 175 concerts and I was backstage with the rock stars and having this rock star lifestyle, even though I wasn't the rock star. After one year, I got laid off around the Napster time. And so I went into this even more of a depression at that point. I think I was depressed during that time, but even more of a depression. I was working at night at Starbucks. I'd get off work and I'd go to Safeway to buy a six pack of beer. And I'd go rent a movie at Hollywood Video and then go pass out in my really ghetto apartment. And one night while I was working, this girl had come in with some friends. And she said, hey, we've got this cool college event at our church. Would you be interested in coming down? And I didn't have any friends. I was depressed. And I said, yeah, man, this is, I'd, yeah, I'd love to go. Go hang out and actually hang out with people. So I get down there. And I ended up knowing all these people that were there. It was like from the other side of the stairs, was like, oh, I went to high school with that guy or I went to college with that guy. It was like this seed had been planted. And about a month later, it was Easter 2004. And I was with this band that I was managing. We went out and played a show the night before Easter. And I woke up on Easter morning, 2004, surrounded by all these guys in my buddy's basement. There's probably 15 other people around me. And I woke up early that morning. Usually I would sleep in, but for some reason I woke up early. And in that moment, I felt God call me away from that life. Mm. And I quit cold turkey drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything right there in that moment. Gave my life to Christ right there. Wow. And I called that girl who invited me to that church event. And I got her voice and I said, hey, maybe I'll see you at the Starbucks again. You know, I just want to say happy Easter to you. About a month later, we were dating. And this last week, we celebrated 16 years of being married. That is fantastic.
2: As a pastor, we're always getting up in front of people at our church and kind of going, you know, there's power in the invitation. There's, there really was power in the invitation for you, right? I mean, it's more than just an invitation to church. Your invitation turned into your wife. So that's an amazing story. Thank you. I heard you share in another podcast about how there was this season after you got this work working in your life that you really began to adjust the time that you're spending with your friend group. And they remind me, Jim Rohn taught that you're the average of your five closest friends. Can you talk a little bit about that season, that decision and how it impacted this new life you're in? And then I'd love to hear on the other side now of how your community helps you continue to grow in your faith as a husband, father, leader.
0: Yeah. I had to take a break from the party scene and I had to call my buddies up and, and the band that I was managing. And I said, Hey, for me personally, I've got to take a break because I'm going on a path that I do not want to continue to go down. And they understood that. And I had to take this break from going out and partying, and going into bars and going out to shows and things like that. I probably took about a six month break of, of doing any of that. And then what I did was I submerged that or replaced that with time with pastors and people that were going to the church that I was going to at the time, they were youth pastors, they were godly men. And I submerged myself in books. I was so hungry to learn about the word that I started reading books like crazy. So I was still working at Starbucks and then I just started reading books all the time where I was reading about a, a book a week and I'd never really... A reader before, but in this moment, I was like, man, I need to submerge myself into this and really transform my mindset. I think I was at the time even dealing with a lot of like guilt issues from my past. I was ashamed still in that moment. And it wasn't until I was 39 years old that I felt confident enough to share that story. I'm 41 now. So just two years ago, that I actually feel confident to share my story publicly. Wow.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when starting in a new direction, a new pathway, I find that one of the best ways to succeed is getting alongside people who are on the same pathway, moving the same direction that are going to encourage you and move you forward. And now that you're doing that for other people through what you're doing in, in your world, through your podcast, encouraging people, and again, watching your reels and social media. You can just tell that you just have this sense about you of encouragement and speaking life into people. Having that season that people walked alongside you had to be really huge in, in that piece. Yep. One of the primary goals of this podcast is really to introduce listeners to men and women who are leading their lives and leveraging their influence to make a difference in the world. And obviously you're doing that. I was interested, if you could share a couple thoughts that you think would help our listeners to be more intentional about growing
0: themselves or growing their influence? What would you say? You have to get uncomfortable for a bit. Mm. And what I mean by that is go to places where people are hanging out that you want to be like. And for me, I wanted to understand and network with people that are full-time entrepreneurs. I'm not a full-time entrepreneur. I still work a full-time job, but I still run my podcast and things like that, but I still wanted to connect. And so I had to show up at a men's breakfast at the church, or I had to show up at a networking, a business entrepreneur, newer group in town, or a Toastmasters meeting. I didn't know anybody, but I knew that if I went there, it would grow me mentally, spiritually, physically. Like in that sense of just getting to network with people that are doing what I'm doing, what, what I want to be doing, which full time speaking, podcasting, video content creation, stuff like that. And so you have to get uncomfortable because it's not very comfortable when you go there. Yeah. It's not very comfortable to be an entrepreneur at all. I had to do that. I had to reach out to people i connect with on instagram maybe i saw some posts and i was like man that guy he's really connected with me something he posted was like man at home for me. I want to reach out to that guy and I just want to start saying, hey man, I just want to say thanks for posting that really great stuff and you start this conversation. I don't want anything from it other than just say, hey, thank you so much and encourage them to keep posting that and then the relationship itself will evolve over time of just being friends and so you do have to get uncomfortable if you want to grow in any way, mindset, physically, spiritually, anything like that. I think it was Michael Hyatt who said, to
2: get out of your comfort zone into your growth zone. Yes. You're not going to grow just staying comfortable. I think it's so good and I know that legacy is really important to you. I've heard you talk about just this idea of rewriting the legacy that you had as a kid and writing the new legacy
0: for your kids. What what does that look like for you? My wife and I, we both come from broken homes. We Mm -hmm. both come from chaotic homes. And so we knew exactly what we did not want to have with our kids. When we set our dues at our church, We meant that like through the hard times, through the great times, right? And and we've talked about this. We've had some very deep conversations that divorce will never be something that will come into our house. And we pray about that. And we talk about that often. When our kids, they see us argue, they see us make up, they see me kiss my wife in the kitchen. Like they see that like we're real people and everything is out there. And they understand that. But we also tell them that like we're never going to get a divorce. Yes, we're going to disagree on things. Yes, we're going to argue sometimes, but we're always going to love each other. We're always going to make up like, man, we want You guys to be blessed. But we also have to, like. I would say, we're not strict parents, but I would say like we want to teach our kids in the ways of like love the Lord and yeah. love on people and don't judge people and things like that. And so for us, it's really important to leave this legacy of there's no divorce. We're, we're breaking the chains of divorce, addiction, abuse, and rejections. That our kids will never have to experience that.
2: Lisa and I have an opportunity to work with a lot of young couples before they get married. And one of the things we always talk about is in the marriage relationship, whatever is your backstory, you're creating a new story. We talk about being a transitional generation. For Lisa and I, divorce is rampant on both sides of our families. And so we were a transitional generation for our kids going, no, we're going to stop that cycle. And when we said I do, that meant forever and practicing our promise every day, leaving a new legacy for our families. I see you posting videos all the time on your social feeds of some of your entrepreneurial endeavors. And they're always fun, whether it's pressing t-shirts or a laser engraving on wood. yeah. Have you always been
0: an entrepreneur? If so, what does that journey look like? for you? I think it started very early. Uh, I was 10 years old and I said, I want to start making some money to buy some new toys or something. And when I was 10 and 11 years old, two summers in a row, I had about 15 clients that I would like literally hand push this lawnmower. It's funny hearing it, but I literally had to push this thing uphill, push it uphill about a mile to my furthest away client. And I had clients along the way back to my house. So I'd start at that one and then I'd push all the way, do all the yards and come back. I was making a couple hundred bucks a week wow. at 10 years old. But yeah, I'd be trading in baseball cards to stores. I'm a big fan of Nolan Ron- so, I'd go trade a bunch of cards in for one known Ryan. I've done a lot of businesses over the years, I started a lot of businesses and started a lot of ventures. And the thing was, my mindset was not right. I talk about like you have to be a quitter. And people are like, well, what do you mean? Well, I had to quit being negative about myself. I had That's to quit so thinking good. I couldn't, didn't deserve success or didn't deserve money. I had to quit being lazy. I had to quit being comfortable. And I had to quit quitting because I'd start all these things and I just get excited and then I'd quit. I almost did that with Top Rated May and then I kind of refreshed it and now we are where we're at today. Now, I
2: know you do a lot of different things besides podcasting. You offer some services and content creation. Can you tell us a little bit about the different things you're doing right now?
0: Yeah. So I work with a lot of different brands from, well, if you're seeing a picture of me, I do have a, a good sized beard yes, you do. and uh, the beard tends to pay. So I do a lot of brand promo videos for beards. I haven't come across myself, but apparently my friends will send me screenshots. Apparently I'm Amazon famous or so a couple of different companies oh, that wow. have hired me and put my picture up on Amazon somewhere. So, but yeah, so I do a lot of video content. I've worked with brands like Grunt Style and Alpha Outpost and True Brain and My Medic and lots of other companies, especially beard companies and things like that. And then, I've done some audiobook narration. And then like you mentioned, I do do laser engraving for wood pieces, custom quotes, and stuff like that. And then I, when I started top rate in in 2012, it was just an apparel company okay. and I made a lot of business mistakes. And over the years, I realized that I shouldn't do that. And then I finally realized that, Hey, I should probably just buy my own heat press and just press my own shirts. And so that's what I also do as well.
2: You also do some influencing in different areas. I know one of the
0: things that you're part of is a secret knock event. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Secret knock event. This is my deck by Dr. Greg Reed. He wrote the book Three Feet from Gold, part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And this guy is amazing. He did this event called the Secret Knock. And you literally can't go to this event unless you apply and then get an invite after that application. It's called secretknock.co because they left the M off so people wouldn't come across it. And so it's very, very secretive. They give you the dates in the city of where this event is at, but they don't tell you where it's at in the city. And they don't tell you who's there until you get there. But then when you get there, there's like two or 300 people that are in their zone of trying to like grow their network. I think Forbes called it the number one networking event in the world. And so I'm an influencer for these guys. I'm actually got invited to go to this event. I'm really excited. It's going to be in September. Previous people that they've had talk there is like Les Brown, the founder of Ugg Boots, the founder of Pictionary, the Lamborghini family, the former president of Mexico. And they do this thing because they don't bring in any security. So they don't have secret service with the former president of Mexico or anything like that. It's very, very last minute. Hey, here's where it's at. And then you get to go rub shoulders with these guys and hold Hopefully, they can give you some life skills or some knowledge to help you grow in your business. And so, yeah, I'm helping people get connected with Dr. Greg Reed, and and hopefully, we can bring more people to this event in September.
2: That is so cool. So, are you able to talk about the event afterwards?
0: Yes. So, they'll allow pictures, and you can talk all about it like after the event and things like that. But they do this thing. It's a funny name, but it's called the tub of love. They tell you to bring an extra suitcase with literally nothing in it because they're going to send you home with a full suitcase full of stuff. But the tub of love is actually filled with things that speakers and sponsors for the event and you earn points throughout the event and you your name goes into a raffle. And at the end of the event they pull one name that gets this tub of love okay. and it's literally worth like over $100,000 worth of product.
2: Well, I, I may need to have you back on the podcast after this to hear about all your experience so people can find out more about it by going to secretknock.co?
0: Yep. secretknock.co is the website. And if they're serious about going, they can just reach out to me on ericallenmedia.com or shoot me a DM through Instagram. I'm, I'm happy to do a, a direct introduction to Dr. Greg Reed. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Okay. So one of the things I'm in sync with you is the fact that both of us are early morning risers. Yes. I think you beat me by an hour each morning because I think your early rise is 4 a.m. Is that right? 4 a.m. six days a week. Absolutely. Which day are you off at?
0: I don't set an alarm on Sundays. Okay, okay. I do good. typically wake up between 4.30 and 5 on Sundays. So. Okay,
2: yeah, I'm a, I'm a 5 a.m. guy. Okay. And I've been that nice. for probably the last two, three years. For me, it's one of the most important things I do for my personal growth and development. I, I love to hear about your morning routine and how it sets
0: the pace for the
2: rest of your day.
0: Two things that I, that I do right away is I have to acknowledge that if I open my eyes in the morning, that's a win number one. Mm-hmm. And then if I can get out of bed and I make my bed, that's, two wins I get in 10 seconds and that sets the tone for the day. And then I get in the shower, I come upstairs and I kick on some worship music and I spend some time in prayer and just really meditating on like what I'm thankful for and, and praising God out loud because my office is upstairs and the rest of the family is still sleeping. So I can be really <laughs> loud up here and turn on worship and you know, as some mornings are I'm just feeling the, the spirit man in the mornings and, yeah. and other mornings I'm like, okay God, I need, to, I need to wake up here a little bit. But yeah, so I get up and I spend time in prayer that really helps me set the tone for the day. I'll kick on a podcast or I'll watch a YouTube video or maybe jump into the clubhouse depending on what room happens at that time of the hour. But that helps me set the tone for the day. And a lot of people are saying, man, why do you wake up at 4 a.m. And here's my thing is my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep. That's so good. So I'm gonna get up at 4 a.m. Partially too because I get up that time I can spend time with myself and draw close to God. Yep. But I also work a full time job. So at eight o'clock in the morning I switch over to this computer and then at five o'clock I shut everything down and it's family time. And then I'm usually asleep by 9 30. I'm not a very late night party okay. guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hardest thing about the early morning thing. My routine is 5 a.m. First thing
2: I do is have my quiet time in that journal and, and then I read. If I don't get my reading in in the morning, I don't get my reading. So I'll read anywhere from 20 to 25 pages. And by that time, usually my wife is getting up around 6.30 and then we have some time together before everything else happens. It is the one time that I can control. It's my time and you know, nobody else is up that early yep. you know, to, to talk or demand my time. I think the other thing that's been a real discipline for me is just making sure that time set aside so like not getting on my email not opening up my computer but getting all my disciplines done and it really does set the tone for the day and i've i work with a lot of young leaders and every time i say that yeah, i'm up every morning at 5 a.m they're like how do you do that it's just a discipline right and yep. like you said earlier you just have to get out of your comfort zone and it's uncomfortable for a little bit. But I think it's the best thing that anybody who wants to grow themselves, anybody who wants to move forward in their life could really leverage that time.
0: Craig Ballantyne, I've been in talks with him to come on my show, which hopefully at some point we'll make that happen later this year. But he talked to me and he was saying the night before is really when the day starts. Mm -hmm. So if you can go to bed and write your goals down or what you're going to do the next day, your to-do list, and then you wake up and you've already got that in front of you, then that helps you get right into it. And he calls it the magic hour where he literally puts his phone in airplane mode in a drawer across the room room and he spends an hour of just focusing on his business or strategies or goals or reading and things like that. And that's that magic hour to really just get nailed down, focus hardcore with his goals for the day. And then after that, he might turn on his phone for a couple of emails and stuff like that. He's very, very disciplined when it comes to that.
2: So you're a podcaster as well, and you have two podcasts. Can you talk about how you got into podcasting? Also tell us a little bit about your two podcasts.
0: Yeah. So Top Rated May started in 2012 as an apparel company. I've always been a fan of combat sports, grew up you know, watching pay-per-view of Mike Tyson and watching UFC 1 and 2 as a kid and always been a fan. Tapout was really big around 2012. And, and I was like, man, I was like my wife, I said, I really want to start an apparel shirt. I want to start maybe an MMA apparel company. And she came up with the name Top Rated May. And she said, how do you make this thing different? Because there's so many out there. And so we landed on, we are a 100% American made MMA apparel company. Okay, We went out and we bought a bunch of inventory and then we ended up giving it away or most of it away because we didn't know what we were doing. I was so kind of just frustrated. In 2015, I I literally put an ad in Craigslist offering somebody to buy the brand name and the Twitter followers and all of the, the equipment, everything I had some guy calls me on it. And in that conversation, I'm like, no, man, I don't want to give up yet. And so I kind of restructured and came back and, and put together, I said, all right, I'm going to start a podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, how to do, what to do it or anything like that. I just started researching. I bought a cheap mic and I bought a cheap camera and I went into a walk-in closet for my first hundred episodes. I just wanted to ask fighters like, why do you want to get in a cage and get punched in the face? I've heard everything from, man, I grew up wrestling, I doing karate. And then it just transitioned to that to, I have federal offenses and I can't get a real job, but I can get paid to go punch someone in the face. Wow have to put food on the table. So that's the only way that I can do that. And so, yeah, that's how it started. And now 220 episodes in three years later, really top of MMA is focusing on these up and coming MMA fighters from across the world. And so that's what that show is about. And then in 2018, I came across a guy named Ed Milette, one of my favorite entrepreneur guys now, but I'd never heard of him before. And I just started binge watching all of his stuff, all of his past shows on YouTube and things like that. And I came up with the idea to start another podcast where it was talking with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success minded people and tying that together. As entrepreneurs, we get punched in the face all the time. Hopefully it's not physically, but we yeah. get a lot of no's, rejections and all of this stuff. How do you deal with that as entrepreneurs? Ed Milet offered this thing in 2018 called the Max Out Challenge. You had to submit a one minute story to him via stories on your Instagram of what you're passionate about, what drives you, why do you want to be successful? And so I submitted that. And about two months later, he announced me I was the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge. I, to my knowledge, I'm the only one that's ever done that. So here we are. I won this phone call with Ed and it was life changing. It was supposed to be 20 minutes. We ended up going for 30 minutes. He had shut everything down. Very focused on me. Very genuine guy. Really wanted to help me out. He got me connected with a lot of people and probably one of the greatest calls I ever had. And I was able to record that and take parts of that and release that as episode 12 of what used to be called the bearded biz show. Now it's the Eric Allen show. But uh, so early on, I was able to get some pretty big wins. We're having Sean Whalen on his episode six and then Ed, and then it just opened the door to Tim Story and Eric LeGrand, Bedris Cooley and Brad Lee, Jim the Rookie Morris, just so many many people I've been blessed to speak with. Doctor Greg Reed, another one, and, and I just spoke to Dan Caldwell, the founder of Tap Out, actually uh, last week, and so it's just really cool.
2: Now you've never done any MMA fighting though, right?
0: Nope, I like being on this side of the cage. Yeah, so <laughs> I've been in the cage for for photo ops and things like that, but not a fighter myself. Uh, so much respect for guys who want to get in there, especially those amateur fighters, and that's really who I have a lot of time on my show. Is amateur fighters aren't getting paid? They're just in there building their record.
2: I, I love it. And I've listened to both podcasts and I think they're really cool. Thank you. Okay. So we always like to close our conversations with guests by doing some random questions. So yeah. uh, would you be up to a few bonus questions here? Absolutely. Okay. So these are five questions from the hustle deck. Okay. I feel like you're a hustler. You're doing a lot. So I think there's some great stuff. If you're ready, there's five of them. We'll start with this one. Who do you look to for advice or mentorship?
0: There's a couple of people that I really rely on. Okay. One is a guy named Ian Inman. He's like a business partner of mine. He was the builder of my website. And then I talk with Mike Young, Makeover Master, and Zach Babcock. Those are the three guys that I really bounce ideas off of on a regular basis anytime that I'm kind of interested. So what book
2: article or blog post have you read recently that really inspired you?
0: I am actually reading right now a book by Jim, the rookie Morris called the dream makers surround yourself with the best to be your best. And that book is amazing. He is a very inspirational guy. I've had him on my show one time. I'm actually going to be talking to him again here in another month or so. Him and I have just been able to grow really close. And he's one of those mentor guys that I can talk baseball with all day. And so it's just really cool to have a a friendship with that guy. And that book, it just came out and it's such a great book. Okay,
2: cool. I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. I'm going to pick it up myself. I'm always looking for good books. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be successful as an entrepreneur?
0: You have to be mentally tough. Okay, You have to be Determined, and you have to be consistent. Oh, those are good. I
2: like that. Consistency really makes a big difference in yes. anything you do, right? Okay, so if you were to write a book about yourself, what would you name it?
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know, man. That's a tougher one. A feared think... philosopher,
2: or something? Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would. I would probably tie in what I like to when I give talks. My theme is your past does not define your future.
2: Okay, I like that. That's a great, I would read the book for sure. Okay, last one. Is there a quote or an axiom that sums up your philosophy of life and leadership? If so, what is it?
0: Ed Milet. And Tony Robbins has said a variation of it too, but life happens for us, not to us. I love that. That's so good.
2: Well, Eric, this has been so much fun. Thanks again for being on the podcast. If listeners want to learn more about you, and see your serious beard game, where would you send them online?
0: Yeah, ericallenmedia.com is the best place to find out more about me, find out the guests that I've had on, listen to the shows. I'm really active on Instagram. So it's Allen. it's E-R-I-K. I respond to all comments and DMs and things like that. And so I love to connect with new people on there. So those are the two main places that you can follow and connect with me on. Awesome, man.
2: I'm going to put all that in the show notes. Thanks again, man. Looking forward just to follow your journey and what you're doing and keep checking out your reels on Instagram and all the fun stuff you're doing and keeping up with your podcast. I'd love to have you back on maybe after Secret Knock and hear all about your experience in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Would love to.
1: Thank you, Eric, for investing in the podcast and the gift of your time. There was so much good stuff in there. I want to say that I don't always get up at 6.30, Mr. Duval, There are times I get up at 6 ready for you to serve me coffee no matter what time I get up.
2: Yeah, that's true. But seriously, Eric is a really cool guy, and I hope that we can get him back to talk about the secret knock event. It sounds really cool and interesting.
1: So next week, it's you and me, Mr. Duval, for three questions. I'm not sure what I'm going to ask you yet, but I know it'll be good. Remember, if you have a question that you want to ask James to answer, direct message me on Instagram at Lisa Duval.
2: Same here. If you have something that you would. Me to ask Lisa, direct message me at the James Duvall. We'll see how it all turns out, but I think it's going to be really fun. As we wrap up this episode, we want to remind you that you can find the show notes to this and every show at livelylast.com. You can also join the weekly newsletter and receive each episode and show notes delivered directly to your inbox by texting the word live, LIVE. To the number 22454.
1: Maybe you know a friend or family member who could use the encouragement of this episode. If so, why not share it with them? We want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at live lead last podcast. And you can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash live lead last.
2: Thanks again for joining us for this episode. We wish you a blessed and safe week. Lead your life and leverage your influence every day in a way that leaves a legacy you want for the future. Until next week. Bye-bye.